Lift up the trumpet and loud let it ring, Jesus is coming again. Cheer up your pilgrims, be joyful and sing, Jesus is coming again. This is the voice of prophecy, a voice crying in the wilderness of these modern days. Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Coming again, coming again, Jesus is coming again. From our Voice of Prophecy studios in Los Angeles, California, we welcome you to this half hour of inspiration. Music with the King's Heralds, Del Delker and Brad Braley. The Voice of Prophecy speaker is H.M.S. Richards. The quartet opens this program with a chorale by J.S. Bach, expressing praise to God. Now let every tongue adore thee. Now let every tongue adore thee. Let Heavenly Father, we seek Thee in prayer. Bless every listener, especially those who are troubled, those who have great problems of soul and mind. Strengthen and guide each one today in Christ's name. There is a place of quiet rest near to the sin cannot molest 
Jesus, blessed Redeemer, sent from the heart of God, hold us who bow before Thee, near to the heart of God. Del Delker, our contralto soloist, steps to the microphone to sing an expression of gratitude and praise. My heart overflows. My heart overflows with praise unto God for all of his goodness to me. I cannot conceal the joy that I feel. sins are 
Here now is H.M.S. Richards, the voice of prophecy speaker, who warns, don't look now. There's a certain species of caterpillars called the processional caterpillars. They walk in a long line, each following closely the one in front of him. The great French naturalist, Lefebvre, once saw some of these caterpillars marching around the molding of a large stone vase in his garden. He found a few more of them and filled in the gap between the head and the tail of the procession, and then watched to see what would happen. The procession went on, each caterpillar following his neighbor in front of him. They walked around and around that vase for a whole week, covering a distance of nearly a mile. Doesn't that illustrate the habits of many people? They keep looking at others and doing just what they do. Think of it, following somebody else keeping their eyes glued on him with no thought of the rightness or wrongness of what they are doing or where they are going or the consequences of it, just looking at somebody else and following his example. It would be better to be blind to some people and to some things, but it would be better still for our eyes to be fixed on the final goal of eternal things rather than on the things of today. Well, may we say, don't look now. Look at something beyond. Does not the Holy Apostle advise us to lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith? Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. When we see him... There are many other things we will not see, and much to our advantage. In Isaiah, the 42nd chapter, and the ninth verse, there's a prophecy of Jesus himself. He is our example. Listen to this. Who is blind but my servant, or deaf as my messenger that I sent? Who is blind as he that is perfect, and blind as the Lord's servant? If we follow Christ's example, we too shall be blind to many things, not looking at the outward appearance, not judging after the sight of the eyes, nor deciding after the hearing of the ears. Isaiah 11, verse 3. We may, of course, see with the outward eyes, but we shall be blind to all but God and his doings, his will, his word, his commandments. We might call this a blessed blindness. 
For we read of this in Isaiah 33:15, He that stoppeth his ears and shutteth his eyes from seeing evil, thine eyes shall see the king in his beauty. We shall never see Christ in all his beauty and all his glory and in all the beauty of his character unless we stop looking at some other things. The Bible says that by beholding we become changed. You'll read those words in Second Corinthians, the third chapter, in the 18th verse. We become like the things that we continually see and look upon and contemplate. S.D. Gordon writes that when his brother, who had been gone for quite a while, returned home, he said to him as they were walking down the street together one day, You've been going with Denning a great deal lately, haven't you? Denning was a mutual friend of theirs. How did you know? You walked just like him, replied the brother. That was a fact, but he did not know it. The two had been walking home together from the YMCA three or four nights a week. And unconsciously, young Gordon had grown to imitate his friend in his peculiar way of walking. We are influenced for good or for bad by the example of others often, especially those in whom we're interested, the ones to whom we look, the ones we see a good deal and know well. Children look to their parents, for instance. They're with them, they look at them, they watch them, they unconsciously imitate them. And they're apt to follow them. They do what they see their parents do. This shows the importance of a good example in parenthood. It may be that uh, parents are largely to blame for some of the troubles we have among the youth of the world today. In one of his addresses on Abraham Lincoln, Norman Hapgood, the editor, said that Lincoln was once talking to an alcoholic man of middle age who was bewailing the fact that his 17-year-old son had taken up drinking. Well, there's just one way, said Lincoln, just one way to bring up a child in the way he should go. That is to travel that way yourself. There's the idea. Don't look continually, approvingly, with interest, with love, with desire, upon that which is wrong. For there's danger that by so doing, you too will become wrong. Don't look now. Shut your eyes. Figuratively speaking, to some things. Look at other things. Do not keep looking at things that God has forbidden. Remember what happened to Eve. The woman saw that the tree was good for food that it was pleasant to the eyes, and she took and did eat. That's the story of Genesis. We read it in the third chapter in the sixth verse. She kept looking at something until she thought it was just what she wanted. Yes, she kept looking until there was desire, then decision, then sin and death. She disobeyed God because she looked in the wrong direction and in the wrong way. Don't look at the difficulties in the way of obedience to God. Step out by faith. Remember the experience of the Apostle Peter. Of him the scripture says, and we're reading Matthew fourteen twenty nine. He walked on the water, and when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. 
and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. Probably the shortest prayer in Scripture. Instead of looking at Jesus, he began to look at the waves, at the danger, at the trouble. Don't look now would have been good advice to him. As long as the apostle kept his eyes on Jesus, he was safe. But when he looked at the boisterous waves, fear filled his heart. Faith fled, and he began to sink. What a lesson for us. We are not to look around at the fearful circumstances, at the threats of enemies. Don't look now at these things. Keep your eyes upon Christ. He will uphold you. He will keep you. He is faithful. Here is the promise of God. Thou whom I have taken hold of, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Look not around thee, be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee. Isaiah 41.9 True faith is believing God, believing God's word, and in that way seeing things as accomplished before they are so in reality. Someone has said that Columbus practically discovered America before he left Spain. So true was this, that he was not surprised when he saw the western continent. Indeed, he would have been surprised had he not found it. Faith is expectancy. So don't look at the stormy sea, the difficulties or the dangers. Don't look at someone else's circumstances when you're having a hard time and they're having it easy. For I was envious when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, says David, until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I, then I understood. Psalm 73, 3. David says in this psalm that his feet had almost slipped. He almost lost his faith when he saw the prosperity of wicked men. It was only in the light of God's sanctuary where we see the great plan of salvation and the man of salvation, Jesus, and the judgment of the wicked at last, that he was able to see things as they really were, as they are. Don't look now at other people's good fortune and your own trouble. Remember whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Hebrews twelve six. That's a good verse to memorize. Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth. Don't look at the lions in the den. Don't look at the fiery furnace. Don't look at the mob with their stones ready to destroy you. Don't look at the vast distances to the mission fields. Don't look at the small paycheck in earth's money. Don't look at these things. Look at the word of God. Look to Jesus. For it is written... They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Psalm 34, 5. If we get our eyes fastened on our problems instead of on our Savior, we shall come to grief. There was Saul, king of Israel, popular, handsome, able, but he made one of the most colossal failures the Bible records. We read about it in the 13th chapter of 1 Samuel. His words to the prophet were these, Because I saw that the people were scattered from me, and that thou camest not. Therefore, said I, the Philistines will come down now upon me. Then he goes on to tell how he broke with God's plan. I did this and that. He made a wrong decision. And he knew it was wrong, but he did it because he said, I saw, I saw, I saw. Why did he keep looking in the wrong direction? Looking at the consequences, not looking at God's word and promise. 
In every time of crisis, we shall be tempted in the same way. It was on the stormy sea when the disciples had given up hope, were fighting the raging tempest, that Jesus came to them in the fourth watch of the night. Jesus comes to us with his help and blessing in the time of our greatest need, our darkest night. Even the prophet Elijah looked on the wrong direction. Right after one of the greatest blessings and victories that ever came to him, a reaction set in, the glory and victory of Mount Carmel, had taken place only the day before, after an all-night rain, soaked, cold, hungry, discouraged, the prophet saw a messenger coming from Jezebel, his enemy. And this is the message he brought from the queen. So let the gods do to me and more also. If I make not thy life as the life of one of them, that is, the prophets who had been killed the day before. And when he saw that, he arose and went for his life. First Kings 19. He saw the danger, the hatred in the face of Jezebel. He saw what would happen to him. So he ran for his life. He did not look to God. He looked instead to his enemy. No wonder he fled. Many a time in our own experiences, if we will look to God instead of our troubles and fears, we shall be able to stand still and see the salvation of God. Exodus fourteen thirteen. Remember, seeing is believing. Many things passed before the eyes of Jesus, which would have discouraged him had he looked at them alone. Sickness, sorrow, the death of men... The hatred of his enemies revealed in their faces and their actions. But with the eye of faith, he saw behind everything the power and hand of God. He said, My Father worketh hitherto, and I work. John five seventeen. Jesus is our example. He is our Savior. He is the light of the world. In the ancient wilderness, those who looked to the brazen serpent were healed from the bite of the fiery serpents. So it is to those who look today unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. It is to them that salvation comes. Don't look now at the discouraging, the sinful, the fearful, but look up to him, to Jesus, and go forward in faith, for truly, friends, there's life in a look. In a look at the sacred cross, Jesus has said, Look unto me. Earth with its riches is only dross, bright treasure beyond to the cross I see. In a look, there's life for thee. In a look, Blessed thoughts, salvation free. By a look at Calvary. When first to the Savior I raised my eyes, sweet was the smile that fell on me. Oft as the clouds of temptation rise, I'll look at the cross till my strength shall be. In a look, there's life for thee. In a look at Calvary. Blessed thoughts, salvation. 
H.M.S. Richards, a Seventh-day Adventist minister, will return with the final word for you. And now, this is Orville Iverson reminding you that God's care is over all. So let us keep looking up, ever going forward in faith. Radio friends, more things are wrought by prayer than this world dreams of. The Voice of Prophecy workers at headquarters pray every morning before they go to work in a special prayer period. And then every Thursday morning, we all meet at 8 o'clock for special prayer. We call it our worldwide prayer circle because at this time, people all around the world join us in prayer. We're inviting you who hear us now to become a part of our worldwide prayer circle. That means that every Thursday, preferably in the morning, you will Pray first for yourself, your problems, your home, then your friends and those who listen to the voice of prophecy. Pray for the thousands, the millions who are contacted by radio, bringing the gospel and the message of Christ to the world. So please pray with us and for us. Have faith in God, his love incarnative. Have faith in God, forbear, forget, forgive. Have faith in God and look and learn and live. Have faith, dear friend, in God. We trust this program has brought help to you today. Tell others about it. And listen again next week for another broadcast brought to you by the Voice of Prophecy. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace.